0: Hello everyone and welcome to Ale of a Time. This week we've got Owen Johnson from Hop Products Australia, recorded on the Beer Together channel live on YouTube and now released for a podcast, as a podcast sorry, for your enjoyment. Uh, Really good chat, we learned all about kind of what goes into making a successful hop, what happens to hops when they don't. Uh, make it through or or get discontinued and also how the 12 pack of beers came about. Uh, Thanks for Owen and the team at Hot Products Australia for making this happen and uh, we'll see you next week with a chat with Chris from Upflow Brewing, the non-alcoholic beers.
1: I don't even know how many people we're talking to tonight, but g'day if you're listening out there. It's nice to be with you.
0: Uh, and if you are out there and you have any questions for OJ, just drop them into the comments or we'll happily ask them. Um, and I think, Dave, I think I speak for both of us when the reason what prompted us to get OJ on the show is um, seeing this, this eclipse pack doing the rounds.
2: Yeah, yeah. As soon as and I saw being, it, I was like, no, there's no, like beer packs from anyone that i want ever but this one i was like i gotta have it
0: which is that's crazy right like i look at event like the um advent calendars and all that and i think i don't need 25 individual beers in my life but i saw (laughs) i saw this one
2: well also it was so clear in like immediately that it seemed to be like the um the next step in the evolution of the education around the single hop idea like Five, six years ago, you'd have uh, the same beer brewed with different hops to sort of have the education, but, like, u- like utilising the same new focus hop in so many different ways, it's a way more, like, engaging as a nerd way of doing it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so I guess before we go too far into celebrating this pack, um, OJ, can you tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and what you actually do? <laughs> Let's, let's cross the first bridges first.
1: It's not about me, it's about these little hoppos here and this uh, HPA thing, you know. So, um, my, um, my journey uh, to here is um, basically through an academic path into, into brewing. I was a, I was a, um, a terrible home brewer, um, I, I lacked application and I lacked a scientific approach and it lacked a craziness that home brewers you know, bring to changing up uh, what they make every time. I was like just interested in making a pretty steady beer and getting on it with my mates when I was at uni and uh, sort of pursued the uni studies through to uh, a master's in brewing from the International Centre for Brewing and Distilling. Came back to Australia, an impoverished student, uh, went back to working in pubs and um, landed the job at Moo Brew back in 2005 Uh, when, uh, when we built the first brewery for Moo Brew. Was that the,
0: that was at Mona?
1: Where Mona is now, yeah. At the time it was uh, pre Mona. So it was uh, just uh, uh, the Marilla Estate Winery and we added the brewery there. They already had a big hospitality presence there and um, uh, David Walsh, the, uh, the minor celebrity owner of, of Mona, um, had yet to really sort of start to alter the landscape out there and stamp his authority on uh, on that little island. How did you get
0: from there then to selling hops?
1: So um, I can't remember. I think it was nine years with Moo, built their second brewery in 2010 and um, just needed to uh, acknowledge that, you know, Moo Brew had, uh, you know, I'd hard baked in a lot of decisions at Moo Brew and we needed a change in uh, leadership there and uh, so I walked the, my own plank and <laughs> uh, and I, I actually sort of saw a lot of what was going on at HPA as fascinating and this pivot to uh, modern flavour hops and the, um, you know, the proprietary suite of varieties and new exciting flavours and, and um, I just thought, yeah, these... Um, you know, this has got some real legs, this, is, this has got some real potential and um, I'd love to make a difference in that space. So uh, Tim Lord, Managing Director, and I had a, had a good old chat about, you know, what, what the company's needs were and um, we went from there. It's been great. It's been excellent.
0: <laughs> How much did you know about hops going into, I mean, obviously brewing, you know, a reasonable amount, but I think one of the things I've learned um, being in and around this industry, there is so much we don't know about hops uh, or anything really so how much did you know coming into, to doing this job and, and how much have you learned?
1: look I would say that um, uh, how can I express this politely what I know about far- knew about farming would not have filled a pinhead uh, so the connectivity between agriculture and the actual application of hops in the brew house and you know creating flavors in beer. It was just non-existent, and um, we brew at the time was the closest brewery to the hop farm here in Tasmania, and and yet still the connectivity between agriculture and the processes behind breeding or selection or uh, you know what's important to the farmer um, as a critical piece of the infrastructure behind delivering great beer it was just non-existent, just a complete uh, and utter unknown, not not mythical, not mysterious, just like. I need these hops to turn up, and uh, they need to do what they say on the box, and uh, I'll I'll take care of the rest of things. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, so for me um, coming into yes on the sales side of an agricultural business, uh, still very steep learning curve about about what's in the engine room of um, of a farming company, and and you know we're a Innovative in our own very slow-moving way. We're a very innovative company. Um, we resource uh, our own R&D programs and breeding programs, um, a lot like a brewing industry. Actually, like there's every major brewery used to have a, a you know fully-fledged R&D division, and and they just don't exist anymore with cost cutting. And uh, I don't know, maybe maybe the accountants out there think that there's nothing left to discover about beer. Um, HPA remains committed. To uh, you know, um, uh, industry linkage grants um, with uh, with tertiary institutions. You know, we've got multiple PhD students through in the in the six or seven years I've been here at HPA. Um, multiple PhD students through original research, peer reviewed papers, um, and of course the amazing outcomes from the breeding program itself in commercializations of uh, you know Vic and Enigma and Ella and now Eclipse. Um, yeah, it's a thriving little, uh, busy, uh, modern agricultural company. It's really fascinating. How do you start
2: the R and D phase of a new variety? Like, I was trying to like just think about how it will be approached, and I came up with nothing. So, <laughs> what's the what's well, the first direction?
1: I I think um, at the heart of it is to Understand as much about um, your breeding um, population as you can, so you can start to know. Yeah, in very simplistic terms, I guess that's how I do my best work. Um, uh, you know, this one's got a good yield, but this one's got um, um, you know nice flavors, high alpha. Take a take a parameter, and you you know it's it's, it's classic plant breeding. So you're looking just across. Uh, uh, you know male and female and and um, you know throw as many cultivars or as many seedlings as possible and then screen them for what those outcomes were that you were targeting. so, traditional plant breeding techniques, uh, you know, collect male pollen, um, bag up a female flower, uh, shake and bake and um, collect the seeds later on and deploy them in uh, little grow tubes like you might grow a seedling, in, you know, a tomato seedling in your, uh, your hothouse before putting it out in the garden bed. Uh, I, I do a great disservice to the amount of effort and intellect that goes into that process, but uh, those who know me from that side of the business will understand.
2: Those PhD students all will use the term shake and bake, didn't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what, yeah. what's the title of your PhD? How to shake and bake a tomato plant, you know?
2: <laughs> do you have like a um, do you have like an end goal in mind and then you try and work your way towards that with what you observe? Or do you take the observations and like see where that's gonna lead you?
1: Yeah, look, um, we do we do target outcomes but if i said that we were good enough to target um you know the next uh flavor exactly the next flavor profile if if i said to dr simon whittaker plant breeder mate i want you to deliver me uh yeah, clips give, oh, give me give me clips yeah. give me a hop that's reminiscent of um um strawberries and cream you know those old lollies that you used to used to get you know he'd be like oh, okay Give me 10 years, you know. <laughs> Give me 15 years, maybe. Um, but if it's more like I need, I I don't want to see any new cultivar that's uh below a certain yield threshold, immediately um that's a line in the sand that we can work with, and, and that starts to inform selections of parent material and all this sort of thing. So uh, you know, we have our limits and it's there's no genetic engineering, so to speak. So we um with traditional methodology. Um it comes down to um understanding your collection and asking it the right questions and of course your uh, screening methods and you know that's I think that's where we've just our team has just done an exceptional job.
0: So uh Sam Smalley in the chat there has just said um so he's had the the Eclipse Pack. Um and his standouts were Mountain culture, Mr. Banks and Hop Nation, uh which bit of a trend there, I think they were the Three out of the four, and the, the hazy spectrum.
2: I think the hop nation I'm having now is the pretty clean West Coast. Oh,
1: is it yeah, clean? Yeah, I yeah, just I a classic one. West Coast, yeah, yeah. delightful. Bloody, it's really brilliant. really, really fantastic. good. Fantastic, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm yet to I'm, open that one. I've got the um, Sunday Road Dark.
1: Yeah, love. also a delicious. Back, yeah. Um, I I uh, I really appreciate the um, Hop Nation IPA. It it it. Um, it might have had a couple of other hops layered in for uh, some depth, but, you know, I just feel like that eclipse um, really leading the profile. And, and let's like let's say these beers and the range of beers in this pack was very deliberate, and um, and to see each of those particular styles, I think we only really doubled up on, on the NEPA with Mountain Culture and Deeds, but there's pretty much one of almost one of everything else in there. So uh, Hop Nation bloody just flew the IPA flag, bang on, well done.
0: And I think that's, you know, when you're talking about sort of breeding and, and getting the flavor profiles and you know, sort of the end point for the consumer is so far from that, um, even for the brewers so far from that. So I guess one of the things I'm, I'm kind of curious about is how how you came up with the idea to connect the hop in that way to the consumer of, of doing it in a pack with different things. And then how did you approach or how did you choose what brewers and what styles
1: For sure for sure um first question first so we had in our minds to put on um like a a launch party a bit of a classic you know come and come and um get on the fizz with us to celebrate naming the name day of a new hop uh uh, but and the spin-off there was that we were going to ask a dozen breweries let's say to to brew a beer for us and we'll put it on tap at the um iba conference in brizzy and we'll just have a good old-fashioned shindig and people will be able to see it that way. Very targeted to the brewing audience, uh, you know, to our customers, um, you know, uh, but limited. Only those people in the room are going to see it. Only those people who come to the conference are going to see it. And this is back pre-COVID, of course, and, um, and it all turned to custard very shortly thereafter. So the idea lived on and, and we span it off into like, this is, this is worth pursuing. How do we get these beers? This is worth pursuing. How do we get these beers out to these brewers now in this in this uh, in this COVID time? And so, you know, coming from the brewery background, so to speak, and, and having sold a few cartons of beer in my time, it was like we can we can actually do this. There are people. They're not our mechanisms. There are mechanisms. There are machines out there, like the beer cartel partnership, who are, that's what they do, right? They pick and pack and they shift it and swift it out to customers every day. And, you know, God bless them. And uh, uh, we thought, yep. We can we can make some sensible partnerships here and we can go and um, partner breweries can make this beer it's, it was it was a you know not to go deep into it but it was commercial between the brewery and beer cartel and it was commercial between us and beer cartel and um, and uh, I think I think it worked really really well um, the added benefit of course once it started to snowball like this I said well these guys aren't just going to make um a batch of beer that's suitable for what we want to achieve sending out to our customers you know we only need 150 or 200 cartons or something like they're going to they're going to brew a whole tank so that's heaps why aren't we bringing it to the public like let's let's have a really big party on this and let's let's take it let's take a step that we haven't taken before and not a lot of well no one as far as i'm concerned in the world is a hot initiative uh, has has taken it out to um, a public launch and tried to put um, a new hop right in the lounge rooms of beer nerds all over the, all over the country, you know. Uh, I, I kind of laugh. I, I kind of laugh tongue in cheek. I laugh at the, like, the audacity of it, even though we've sort of done it. Um, <laughs> it's like I hope people really enjoyed it. And, and Dave, your response, like that, like, that is a beer pack I have to have. Um, yeah. <laughs> honestly, I never expected that sort of stuff. That sort of reaction is fantastic.
2: I think, I think it's also like people that have been around the industry like as long as us. We know that we know there's going to be beers out there with, um, with this new hop that, like, probably hits lots of areas that we're going to see through the pack. But we, we're too busy and we have, we like drink too much other stuff to seek out all the beers to try and put that sort of like education framework together. So yeah. and it's like it's an idea that still appeals to us. So, like, seeing that was like, there's no way I'm not getting that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and it is like, you know, even in the brewery, like if you're absolutely right as a, as a booze consumer, it's a fantastic time to be alive in Australia and uh, so much choice, but it, it does sort of feed back in like, as you say, as a consumer, you don't really spend the effort going to a single fridge and being able to pick out a dozen single hop variants of a, of a thing, you know, it just doesn't happen. And it also doesn't happen for brewers in breweries. Like you head down, bum up making the beers you make and often, you um, you do love them and that's what you tend to go to on a Friday, you know, and so I, I really feel like putting this pack together and like landing it in their staff room and saying, this is a great opportunity for you and your staff and just get that mind map, just get that sensory landscape of this hop performing in heaps of different settings with different yeast strains and different dry hopping technique, different different hop application points for different purposes, and uh, snap, you've got your, um, you know, you've got your, your mindscape and those creative types in breweries, much more creative than I ever was, you know, are going to be thinking, yeah, I, 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 can see, I can see this going in here or this tells me a beer style this. And, you know, and then for me, it, it, putting the old sales hat back on is, that's where you really get that cut through and people start to smell it and taste it a few times and they go, next time they're thinking of an NPD, they go, yeah, I know how to get there. I know how to get that sweet, sweet mandarin.
2: (laughs) Let me ask you a quick question first, sorry. Um, Did the beers that you uh, envisioned change when you decided to package it for the public rather than just have it on tap for the conference? Uh,
1: Not especially. And I would say that with a bit of tongue in cheek because um, we hadn't progressed all that far. (laughs) So we had the concept, we had... um, you know, like we just had a very um, um, very narrow HPA-centric uh, opinion of who and what we were going to put in the pack. We started to branch out with Beer Cartelli, as, as you know, and they're a bit more connected to, um, you know, who's hot and who's not. And, uh, and you know, we were we really benefited from some of their insights. And they said to us, um, you know, play to people's strengths. Like you're asking a lot of them, and I very much acknowledge this. We're asking 12 brewers to make one-off beers with a single hop in a diversity of settings. Like, you know, you know that's why we went to Moo Brew and said, execute that fabulous um, Moo Dark, that American uh, brown ale, uh, spin it up if you like, do whatever you want but play to that strength. You know, that's, that's a real opportunity for us to put a dark ale in the pack from high quality, trusted, consistent output, you know, bang, tick all those boxes and that's a delicious beer.
0: Someone's just commented that they uh, didn't really think it came across, the hop came across that well in the dark beer, um, but I'm drinking this the Sunday road and I'm mm. finding that kind of, that mandarin is really accenting that dark malt. And I've kind of got a, one of the, when I used to homebrew, I brewed a um, Baltic porter with vanilla and mandarin, <laughs> and it was probably the best beer I'd ever brewed. It was so good. Uh, and And that, this kind of recalls, that kind of mandarin flavor. And I'm, I am i did this, I i never read marketing material. I really don't care about marketing Damn material. You. And um, <laughs> I, I messaged Dave after having, I think, three or four of these beers. And I said, oh, I'm really getting a lot of mandarin from this. Oh, <laughs> Dave's like, are you, are you kidding?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just eating what they are feeding you. Think independently. Come on, mate. Don't believe yeah. the spin. <laughs> and,
0: and then I think Brendan from Three Ravens tweeted a photo at me of the when you open the pack, the first thing you see is a mandarin. I just straight up just chuck that away.
1: <laughs> um, it's subliminal though. It got in there somewhere.
0: It, it probably was, but yeah, there was that real memory of me going, oh, this reminds me. And even the, the kind of the IPAs reminded me of that porter that I brewed yep, uh, yep. way back in the day. And,
1: Look, I, I actually like it on a sensible note about how we've brought this to market and the flavour descriptors we've chosen. We haven't chosen a plethora of descriptors. We aren't trying to be everything, including Christmas cake. You know, we are we are pretty narrow, and I hope that um, that that Mandarin is the leading flavour, and it is what I've seen in far and away um, the most times has been has been that Mandarin as that primary descriptor. Um, now. There's a caveat on that, of course, and and depending on what you couple it with, including dark malts to that point um, raised earlier. Um, also, yeast strain, of course, makes a huge difference. Um, you'll get different expressions. I mean, I'm not going to stand here and tell you black and white that you only get mandarin out of this thing. Um, it does, that's that's we all know that's just not how it works. Um, but the lead, the lead descriptor for me in most settings has been mandarin and and. And just on the darks, uh, the two dark ales, or two dark beers, one lager and one ale in this pack, um, I, thought they, I thought I thought both of them did bring sufficient mandarin to to be noted. Obviously, they're pushing uh, uphill a bit more than than in the um, West Coast IPA. That's that's well acknowledged. Um, but in terms of Moose Dark, uh, just that beautiful hop flavour on the palate, uh, there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that that hop had made a really positive contribution in that setting and, and, and um, that is exactly what I needed. That's all I need. That is it. Like, it doesn't have to be the hero. Um, it has to make a delicious beer and work in a combination that other brewers and other beer nerds are just going to go, like, I see the vision in this beer. It's been executed well. And those flavours are all delicious together. And, you know, away you go.
2: Um, It's not, I mean, just the mandarins obviously front and centre, but in this West Coast IPA, it like kicks off with this citrus candy sort of little rounded flavour. It's because it's quite quite bitter and quite firm, but just like swells around this little smooth uh, citrus sweetness before it just really zings off into its bitterness. It's great.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh you know, I wouldn't uh, be able to ask too much more of that beer. That that was that was my pick of the whole pack, to be honest.
0: I uh, I've still got that one on to open. I'm also excited to try the newstead wit.
1: Mm.
0: Um, you know, speaking of Mandarin and then then seeing a wit beer pop up in the pack, and I mean seeing a wit beer pop up in 2020 is <laughs> rare enough as it is. Um
1: They're line a single hop wit beer, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And, and and you know, particularly a new old hop. Um you know, if someone was going to do it now, they'd probably do it as traditionally as they can to kind of make a point. Yeah. Uh, so did you, when you approached the breweries, did you say we'd really love you to do this or you said, like, how did that work?
1: In terms of trying to get the brewers to play to their strengths and, um, uh, and and sort of fit in this in this rainbow of beers we were trying to put together. Yeah, look, we... Um, we never dictated. We never, we never dictated. But, but we we described what we were trying to achieve in exactly how I'm describing it to you. Like I have come to you because I trust you, and you make fantastic beers. And I reckon you can have a crack at a one-off beer um, for this pack. It's going to get a bit of publicity, and um, um, we want you to play to your strengths, or um, you know, go go into your wheelhouse there. And it doesn't have to be just one style. It's up to them to choose. Um, and then we just sort of basically said to them, first in, best dressed, If you if you if you get in first and you say IPA, then you know, good on you, go for it." <laughs> and most people really embrace that, not 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 dictating to them, just like what we're trying to achieve—that bit of vision—and um, and then they're on board.
0: Um, so this I'm is not sure th- that
1: Justin the Deeds knows how to make anything else except meters, uh, but uh, <laughs> he's going to hate hey, me for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, he did a he did a barrel aged pilsner. Too recently, wasn't
1: it? <laughs> trying to break the shackles, trying to get out.
0: <laughs> um, and I, I did admittedly enjoy the uh, blaster pilsner that this was, and yeah. it, that kind of added a new element um, that, you know, there is a little bit of grassiness in there, but again, that kind of citriness, citrusness works. Before, yeah. <laughs> you had that before, Dave? Yeah.
2: You think? Um, uh, it's fair. The hop expression, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was probably a bit hoppier and more, more, uh, more bitter than I was expecting, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's a hop-focused, hoppy.
1: Yeah, so, I, I totally agree. Yeah. And I, I think um, I think the Pilsner style gets interpreted as pretty firm nowadays uh, as a point of difference to a Euro Lager or, or Mainstream, you know, so good on them for that. Um, I was lucky enough to have four or five of those uh, on, well, actually last night. And um, you know how your perception of bitterness changes through the night on on bitter beers? And... Um, I reckon uh, on the second can onwards, it was um, it was perfectly imbalanced because your palate shifts a fraction, and um, and those those really grippy bits, which I find the Moorish elements that make me want to pick the can up again, that 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 Moorishness stayed, but the the roughness of the of the firm bitterness came away, and uh, it's just uh, it was all hop profile after that for me, delicious. Uh,
0: so this this hop had a number. It was at HPA 16 That's for- right. And that was being trialled, am I right in saying it was a couple of years kind of More than around the years. place?
1: 2012 was the first time it, it got featured in a, in a uh, commercial beer um, in uh, Bridge Road's Mikella um, collaboration, Dark Harvest. Um, oh. So it was, it was a wet hop in that beer, which, was, which made a bit of a splash at the time anyway if people were alive back in 2012. and um, <laughs> I mean, because that,
0: that is, a, if I think of that beer, I think orange citrus flavor so
1: yep 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 yeah it was um it was good and uh uh then it was in the leading sort of cohort of of experimental hops and so you know like that means 100 kilos or less um uh for many years uh, you know one of maybe five or six um so spread pretty thinly um but all the while we're building up you know sensory we're building up proof of proof of uh, concept and and that it works in beer and um you know even when even when flights of beer would turn up and they'd be pretty same same it was always like this um this beer this hop would always kind of always come out on the highest preference it's like even just in a tea room tasting of non-beer drinkers or non-beer aficionados, it was like, which one did you like the most? And it was always the 016 beer. And it's just like, this is undeniable. This is starting to become a real pattern. Uh, what are we going to do about it? <laughs> How many so, points of data do you need
2: for, to like, pull the trigger on that sort of thing?
1: I wish that was a simple answer. I wish it was like we need 99 successful trials and then the 100th will pull the trigger on it. But it just doesn't work like that. We um, we actually had another hop in front of it, 035, which was a more floral and, and uh, spicy orientated, uh, you know, like a like a New World Lager, more New World Lager orientated hop. And But it was harder to use. It was more subtle. Um, it wasn't like a 10 out of 10 impact in beer. It wasn't a big impact hop. It was... It was all the things that we uh, pinned on it when it didn't really get the commercial traction that it needed to to go from you know a tonne to 20 tons. Um, so we we axed it and and moved on to 016. And and I, but I, I can give you one light bulb moment where um, um, Tim Lord and I were uh drinking um Ash Hazel's uh colonial IPA uh, pioneer, um, who who just just loaded this this little trial beer, beer up with a, a truckload of 016 at the time, and Tim and I just were just looking over the kitchen bench in the office and just said, you know, wow, this is this is actually this is actually world class. This is a fantastic beer, and it was that that one last proof, that one last thing. It's just like I am convinced that this hop is going to stand up out in the real world. Let's. Um, Let's find the market opportunity for it. So then, it's a matter of timing. On farm, can we find acreage to deploy? And uh, and and what are we talking about at the moment? Are we still just chasing the galaxy dragon as far as we can, or or what? You know, and and so we have to be well and truly aware of what we're a what we're capable of. But b something it's a bit harder to pin down is what do we want to be like? Do we want to be a one trick galaxy pony? Uh, do we want to ride that pony, or are we going to actually try and present some choice and diversity to? Um, Uh, you know, to brewers, to make great beers. And so we don't want to be a one-trick pony. We do want to be able to um, bring authentic Aussie, you know, a a suite of differentiated Aussie flavours, you know. Um, They don't all have to taste like Galaxy. um, And I don't think this one does. I think the beautiful thing about this is that, yep, it's down the fruit forward, sort of citrus end, but there's a big difference between passion fruit and mandarin. And the way these hops work in beers sets them apart.
0: When
2: you Uh, wind acreage to deploy them, does that always mean um, scaling back something else, or do you have enough room to expand the field?
1: We've been really lucky um, or at least very successful in um, lobbying the uh, shareholders to fund continued expansion. Since about 2014, we've been uh, bolting on new acreage and sort of rejuvenating some of the key infrastructure out on farm and, uh, so in in that way we've um, we've actually not been really robbing from other hops. Um, some hops were uh, axed, but they're more on performance basis. They're not they're not a, a main matter of preference. Um, uh, you know, if a hop's not selling, um, you know Helga. Never got above about 10 tons, and it had many years to, you know, find its feet and do its wild thing, and it just didn't. So the writing's on the wall. Um, and uh, you know, we'll we'll will will uh, flip paddocks from one that gets deprioritised, but really we haven't, um, you know, we haven't we haven't had a situation where we've needed to really make really hard decisions. Like, what would you do with Big Secret and Ella? You know, they're they're pretty important hops for us, and. They'll be very hard to unwind those hops without really strong signals from the market
2: do those signals from the market i mean i'm sure it does because you're running a business but like how tough is it to discontinue a hop that you put so much time and effort into
1: yeah it's really tough and it's uh it's not as tough for me as it is for some of our customers who have core product out there on the shelf with the hops in them and it's like you're killing me mate what, you, what am i going to do without my helga you know it's like Oh, then we go to work that's when that's when we go to work um, you know and I like to go deep with customers who've got problems and hop related problems and uh, and uh, you know understand the vision for the beer understand what's at play how their flavours uh, are achieved what their technology is like in their brew house and, and help make suggestions help technically try and get them a satisfactory outcome you know and it, it it pretty much works. It's you know, it's not painless, but it's um but it's pretty pretty reliable.
0: So when a hop is discontinued, is that it? Like is there no you know, do you do you keep some rhizomes somewhere of, of Helga?
1: Yeah, yeah. I talk about things getting killed, but they get they get killed in t- into the cold store you know <laughs> uh so the things that we know a lot about um we tend not to let go like it's like i said at the very top you know it's about understanding your collection and understanding uh, parental um inputs and things like this and once you know a lot about a hop that's a really powerful thing um it's not quite the same as in the old days where we where the cultivars that we would commercialize were also um so to speak, fertile. So you could you could then reintroduce them into breeding. All of our proprietories are uh, uh, triploids, um, meaning that they don't produce viable um, seed. So uh, you know they're they're an outcome. That's it. There's no future for that variety after commercialization and deployment. It can't go back into the breeding collection. But we don't tend to let things that we've invested really heavily in go. And and unfortunately for the uh, for the hobby farmers out there, like there's no chance that we're going to release proprietary material out to, out to smaller growers and hobbyists and backyarders. It's just, um, it's, it's just not something that we entertain. Why? We invested a lot of money in that. We might need it, <laughs> we might need it later, so you can't have it. Okay. <laughs> it's mine and I'm not sharing. Yeah, no, that's
0: fair <laughs> enough. Um, was, am I right in thinking summer was the same as well? That's been discontinued?
1: Yeah, Helga and Summer were our um, sort of highest profile, if you like, uh, fatalities in in the modernisation of the lineup. Um, when um, when the initial push to move away from alpha hops uh, began, um, we had we had you have to stick your toe in the water, don't you? And we we uh, we started with um, we started with uh, Helga, Summer, and um, and Galaxy, and uh, you know Galaxy continues on, of course. Um, but, you know, I think we learned a lot along the way about what it was we were trying to achieve and really significantly differentiated flavours is, is what it boils down to. And, and, and Helga was definitely German-inspired, you know. Um, summer started out as, uh, as Southern SARS. You know, it's a, it's a substitute hop with a, with a you know, if, what, what's the market opportunity there? If, if the SARS crop falls over, we're going to sell some? Like, <laughs> Anyway, so they didn't work and, and I'm glad they didn't because it allowed us to go back to the breeding program and really pull out some aces, you know, some, some hops that have really um, hit the modern times and uh, fit modern style and, you know, we couldn't have got, we couldn't have got more um, fortunate with this pivot of, of beer style or this innovation in beer style around biotransformation. You know, it turns out that um, much like Galaxy, um, Eclipse really, performs in, in the biotransformational space um, as evidenced by, um, you know, deeds and, um, and um, mountain culture in this pack, you know, like this is a, this is a beautiful thing about this pack, like traditional styles, some with different yeast strains like Saison, uh, some focused on biotransformational performance, some set in a dark malt base, beautiful. Let's have all of them.
0: The, I guess the success of Galaxy is kind of linked forever with the success of Stone and Wood, how like if if no one worked out how to use galaxy because they were you know they were quite early on and using that correctly um they really kind of hit that sweet spot which is amazing marketing for that hop Mm. does is that what it takes for some hops to be successful
1: do you do you need like for a hop to be successful do you need a champion out there making something that really shakes up the landscape i mean yeah does it help i'll take it i'll take it every time yes (laughs) <laughs> um, not to be flippant about it, it's um, it's um, it's an incredible journey um, that Galaxy and Stone and Wood Pacific Ale have been on together and there's been some really fascinating articles published, um, uh, you know, around, God, I can't even remember which birthday it was, 10-year anniversary or something like that recently. That I just, uh, time is flying by. Um, and, you know, so I guess... Um, I guess if I if I bring it back to thinking about this mix pack, um, we, we've got brewers in there who are, um, you know, like Justin at Deeds, right? I'd say he's right on the tip of that of that hazy craze, and uh, and DJ up at Mountain Culture is just a, making some stonking beers. You know, these guys are in their own way. Um, now they might not end up with the volumes or the or the, you know. Financial success of stone and wood but in their own way they are lighthouse breweries they are they are leading the way they're showing how these things can be used and um you know as i've said i'm really grateful for them to get on board and, and allocate us time and resource to help us and um and i i fully believe that these guys will be as as important to eclipse as, as stone and wood is to galaxy and i and i and i and i say that not from any kind of naivety, just, I just think I just have a different metric of success and it doesn't mean bleeders of beer out the door. It means that that light shining out of this beer that says this is how it can go and this is fabulous.
2: What's the second most prominent Galaxy-focused
1: beer? Uh, it's it. not a question I get asked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's very fair. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's a testament
2: to the... Um, uh, like just how synonymous
1: it almost is. Yeah, look, it is, and it's um, uh, you know I don't know. I, I should probably cite a, a, a beer that used to come out of Thunder Road, but very very similar name with a very similar hop, and uh, you know that'd be just that'd be just too ironic, wouldn't it? <laughs> 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 no, look, I I, um, I guess I'm really spoiled in that sense. I just really um, um, I've seen I've seen Galaxy. In, in so many settings, in so many hop blends, um, in so many just great beers. It's really, I just, I'm a little overwhelmed by uh, the number of Galaxy beers I've seen. And, um, and in some ways that I'm quite thankful that Stone and Wood Pacific Ale for me is still a, a singularity. It's still a unique thing out there for me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 it's just stunning.
0: It's still that moment of having it fresh in and around Byron and you're like, oh, right. <laughs> still really good
1: <laughs> well this is why this beer exists
0: right?
2: yeah <laughs> and we went to stone day that time and there's mm. however many uh, beers on tap they had that we'd never seen before and then it's just like Pacifica, please you,
0: you have to
1: yeah 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 Win in Byron <laughs> do what they do in Byron
0: um, we've got a couple of questions from the chat one I'm going to save till the end but uh, one from Sam um he wanted to know what were some of the, the beers that featured Helga back in the day that he might be familiar with. This is going to uh, put your mind to work.
1: Too. God, I think we killed that in 2014.
0: <laughs> Matilda <laughs> Bay Helga. Pieces. Big
2: Helga was the was big that, one. Was, that, I don't was reckon. that just not related?
1: <laughs> That's just marketing spin, that is. <laughs> I'll tell you what one springs to mind. It's probably a local slant and probably never had the had the range. Um, Bogues did... Uh, uh, a uh, celebrity, you know, endorsed beer with Matt Moran, um, a red and a white, which was supposed to sit on fine dining tables whilst also dumbing down the beer consumer to the two colours of a wine drinker. Uh,
0: I, I, I ripped on that on social media did quite, you? quite solidly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Good man. We're going to get along fine. That. Yeah, yeah. But it, I had to bite my tongue because I was selling them Helga for the, um, for the white, uh, for, yeah, for the white. So, uh, yeah, sorry about that,
0: everyone. Um, I, I think maybe 2014, you know, there were sort of single hop beers, but the, the kind of the, the focus on the hop probably wasn't nowhere near as strong as it is now where, you know, if you even have a passing relationship to a beer, you kind of, you know, sit and you you probably know Mosaic and Galaxy, right? Mm. Um, uh, the other question was, oh, it's not a question, it's a comment, sorry, Um. The Bridge Road Need IPA was great. Galaxy notab- notably prominent in that.
1: Yep.
0: Uh, that's from Daniel, who's also, he's um, loved the the Hop Nation one as well in this pack.
1: Fabulous. Yeah. Good on you. Thanks for supporting the pack. I guess I guess part of our plan for Eclipse. Just talking about sort of that, you know, that emerging. Awareness that that people have generally got, like if you if you're into your beers, you're starting to become familiar with hop names. And if someone says, "Oh, I'll try this beer. It's got Galaxy in it." Yeah, okay. First, your shortcut is that means Doner Pacific, like. But then you've probably seen a few Galaxy beers, and you don't you're not fooled that that is the only way Galaxy looks. But you hopefully you're starting to get that like knowledge bank that says, "Yeah, I'll probably like this. I like Galaxy beers." You know, I reckon we'll have achieved something if we can. And and it's not about it's not about patting the uh, ego of HPA. It's it's actually about like bringing bringing um, bringing the consumer further and further away from uh, you know the mainstream offering of the past, which which you could throw a blanket over. Um, and part of our release strategy with Eclipse was about making sure we adequately supported the homebrew channel and um, had you know stock prioritised and delivered and available in homebrew shops around Australia. We partnered with uh, Cooper's DIY um, uh, and uh, one of the homebrew distributor um, partners, you know, to put put recipes together, get included in recipe packs of the month and all this sort of activity in that homebrew space to really try and acknowledge and drive that the culture of beer is changing and that um, and that um, I think it's a really powerful thing, and it's not. I'm not going to go so far as to say it's a you know corporate social responsibility to meaningfully contribute to beer culture, but but bloody hell, you know this we're in this for the right reasons, and, and sociability and education, and um, we we wrap all that up and do what we can as a humble farming entity, and this is pretty this is pretty cool.
0: I think it's really cool, and like you know putting my sort of good beer week hat on we want more homebrewing content we want to you you want to foster that because you know if if you meet someone you know if you go around to your mate's house and he's just cracked a keg of homebrew with a new hop i'm far more excited than probably going to a light tap room and trying
1: it yeah yeah and and the opportunity to you know geek out with your mate over a new hop or in a new beer that they've made like it's just that's just i don't know gonna sound like sound like uh sound like a bit of a tragic but i reckon that stuff's excellent i'd talk about beer all day whether i'm at work or not so i don't think
0: anyone any of us got in in it for the money it's the (laughs) love of the beer um i've got the the moobrew going on at the moment it's really nice it's really
2: good um, it's got a little tinge of like uh that like english dark sort of like a savory note but then that sort of like little mandarin sweetness just kicks that out too. It's like, that's a really interesting little beer.
1: Yeah, and just let it sit and roll off the pallet and pick up that hop slick, that hop oil and the hop flavours through the pallet. And, and and I think the integration and context of that hop edition is um, is just spot on. And that that's the interesting
0: thing of doing it this way. You know, if, if you released Eclipse now, just as a, as a release, we're probably going to see 30 Nipahs a couple of West Coasts, and maybe someone might use it in a in a lager. Mm. Um, but you know, trying it in this in this context and going, "Oh right, here's mm. how that that hop yep. finds yep. a place in this in this beer." Um, which is, you know, for for someone that's probably cynical about knowing what hops are in what beer, because a lot of it depends to the brewer and what they do with it. Um, this kind of it's a really interesting context for 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 me as well.
1: Yeah, fabulous. Um, and like, it's just so I don't know, gratifying, reassuring. Uh, you know, <laughs> verifying that that um, it's of interest to other people because I I just I was just stoked to run through the run through the pack myself. <laughs> so, um, what um, you know, it would be very very easy to fall into a trap with a new hop to um, go out there and put a dozen nipers in a pack and and do exactly the same thing because or, or IPAs or whatever, but. You know because you look at the states you know of the top five styles by volume in craft out of the states it's it's bloody four ipas and american pale you know it's you know i'm not going to say it's boring because it's not but but i think diversity in this way is something that we've really valued and i would like to think that this is a little bit of an a a bit of a springboard for aussie brewers to to keep championing that diversity of styles presented out there. And, you know, if, if I thought this hop was only good in neapas or something silly, then we would have done that, but I don't, I think this hop is, is a, is an all rounder and it's, um, and it's fit for purpose in different contexts and that, that beer. And and of course the, um, the, uh, lager, the dark lager are, are fantastic examples of, of, of how a hop doesn't have to be the hero. It has to be fit for purpose and make a really meaningful contribution. Um, you know, in fact, there are beer styles that exist that don't hero the hop at all. I mean, I'm not sure why, but, uh, you know, <laughs> for me, it was really important, especially the role of the wit and the um, Imperial Saison in there as well, you know. I mean, that beer, basically, I still don't know what to make of that beer, fascinating beer and an excellent beer. Um, I can't wait to have it,
0: yeah. I don't <laughs> think I've tried that one or, or I don't recall it. What one's that one? Who made that one?
1: It's it's the India saison, uh, you know, single hop eclipse India saison from um, New England, and oh,
0: yeah, uh, yep. I did have that. That was lovely.
1: Oh yeah, big and um, estuary and that again, like, and I, uh, you know, I'm I'm only me. I'm not an expert, and uh, and I say that that beer was really challenging for me and, uh, and I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed the challenge because I was like, what is that? Is that ester? Is that hop? What's making that contribution? Jesus, this is good. Oh, I can't understand it. You know, this beer's shit. I don't understand it. Hang on. No, <laughs> that's my problem. Not the beer's problem. Um, is that an ester or is that a hop? Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> I that's better have another one. Today.
2: When you do uh, not sure what's contributing to the flavour profile. It
1: was oh, good. fantastic. And, you know, like I pride myself on, um, Understanding a brewer's purpose most of the time, like if I drink a beer and I'm like, I know what he's trying to achieve. You know, I, you know, I've got a pretty good understanding of style and all this other stuff. So, and that one really, like, really baked me and challenged me. And I thought, what a fabulous contribution to this pack. If that doesn't, if that isn't exactly what we asked for in presenting a, a range of flavors, like, I don't know what is.
2: Going back to your previous point, if you packaged up. Um, uh, uh, 10 Nipahs and 2 West Coast IPAs in a pack, first of all, I'm not buying it. A <laughs> brewery that doesn't have that as their strength isn't thinking about that hop as like a, um, a usable no. resource. No.
1: no, that's right. That's right. So, you know, there are there are breweries out there and 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 bless them, there's bloody like 700 of them out there at the moment. Um, and they want to make English styles and they want to make, you know, estuary styles. They want to make yeast-driven styles and um, they want to make drinkable styles. You know, you don't have to have this bloody hop soup coming at you all the time. And, and you know, I think people who know me know that I, I don't advocate for more hop equals better beer. Um, I just don't think that's, that's the right way to go about it. Um, choice and diversity in all things, you know, choose your own adventure.
0: I think there's an interesting sort of thing at play here as well where a lot of brewers will tell you their tap room, their biggest seller at the tap room, is their lager or their pale or equivalent versus the stuff they're putting out into the market that's getting all the the social media love, which will mm. be a you know a hazy, a double hazy. Mm. Um, the volumes might be probably similar, but there's still two segments of the market that are interested in beer for different reasons. Uh, and you know, thinking about say the Blaster one, mm. you know, if someone finds a taproom style that works with this hop, then that, you know, is so much better than, you know, seeing it dotted round in kneepers, for me at least, anyway.
1: That's exactly right. And, you know, like hero beers and, uh, you know, showboating beers that are great for your reputation but don't really pay the bills. You know, we all we all understand this industry enough to know that it is about repeat purchases. It's about being able to go down the pub and have, you know, two pints, not just one of something that you can't go back and have a second pint of. And, I, and I've always um, advocated that the beer is... You know, the social lubrication that it is about sociability and drinkability is a big part of that. And I, and I do say that respectfully about, you know, drinking too much because I think we're all at risk of that. Um, but, uh, but I think your, your point about the, you know, taproom success versus what's out in the market is, um, is very valid. And, and I would say that I fit that description. I, I, I don't always relax with a hop hero in my hand. You know, sometimes I relax with, uh, you know, with a, and, and I love this beer with a Cooper's Pale. Really delicious. Okay, not exactly what I would call a a showcase for interesting and diverse hop flavour, but uh, a great beer to relax with anyway. So horses for courses, and and um, always with a really respectful attitude to, um, you know, what's successful where and fit for purpose. Great. I hope this hop, um, you know, can find a, a really diverse. Um, Home out there in Australian beers. And I look forward to when I can get back on the road a bit more. I look forward to, um, you know, wandering into people's tap rooms to say good day and, and looking up on the menu boards like we do. When we see Galaxy named up on menu boards all over the world. I look forward to seeing Eclipse named up on menu boards in tap rooms all over the world because I think it will.
0: Thinking of that, um, the way that Australian hops are viewed overseas, actually, uh, a story I wrote for Good Hunting, couple of years ago now, we talked about Enigma and Aller and I think Galaxy. Um, apparently someone emailed, could be hunting recently and said, oh, I read that story and bought a lot of those hops based on the descriptions of that story, which is kind yeah. of a... I'll make I'm, sure I'm I send you a Christmas your, card. Yeah, I'm doing your job for you now. Appreciate <laughs> uh, <Forget> it. <laughs> I'm just happy people are reading articles two years after the fact as well. Absolutely. Um, but I guess at this point and in this current climate, how much... Is Eclipse making it internationally? Um, has any gone overseas yet and is it popping up yet?
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's a great question, um, you know, and again, coming off uh, comments earlier about, you know, the opportunity and the land base and the resource that we've got, um, you know, we have to be pretty mindful of um, fulfilling the promises that we make. And um, so, uh, you know, it's commercially available only in Australia at the moment from from the March 2020 harvest, um, we have sampled it out into our key distributor partners um, in, in Europe and the US, um, but that means that there are entire marketplaces like big marketplaces, Japan, Brazil, Vietnam, you know, Korea that have not seen this hop yet. Um, we are going to bring substantially more quantity to the market out of 2021. Um, we're on a, on a really rapid trajectory to um, come out the fourth harvest in 2024 um, at about 160 tons on the plan and you now if we really are roaring then we start to have that conversation about perhaps a different hop um, you know gets deprioritized as we as we see where this hop can go um, but like tough to go- questions but to
0: give context, 160 ton, um, where does that put it, say at Galaxy or Enigma? So
1: that, that'll put it within three years, that'll put it as our number three hop by volume. So no other hops enjoyed this level of support from the get-go, um, including Galaxy. I'd say that we were much more responsive to Galaxy, like, you know, demand-led. This is this is a much more um, sort of a strategic approach to the fact that we think the demand's there and we better, we better do the right thing and back this and, um, and, and, you know, try and avoid that disappointment out there. Um, you know, I think there was a, we were at risk of having quite a lot of disappointment about Galaxy's short supply for a long time. We've turned that around. For reference, I think Galaxy this year was something like 850 tonnes. So, and, and it's, I mean, don't get me wrong, that's a lot of hop, but you consider Citra um, at 8,000 tonnes, that's that's a big hop, you know. That's a lot of hop. Uh, can Galaxy be as big as Citra? Now, that's a question we need to get into.
0: Uh, and you, what do you think about that?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, no doubt at all. We just uh, we just need to um, we just need to buy all of the Ovens Valley and all of the <laughs> Buffalo Valley and uh, plant hops on it. We need to fill all of these valleys with hops. We can do it.
0: Um. So Vic's Secret is two?
1: Vic's Secret is number two, yep. sitting, um, sitting at about 250 tonnes in rough numbers.
0: Um, I guess speaking of the, the immediate future, I was looking at Ryfield's Hops Instagram today. Uh, for people that sort of aren't aware, they're a, a quite a small um, new, new hop farm in New South Wales. And... They lost everything to the the bushfires, pretty much everything, um, and they're they're sort of regenerating at the moment, and their you know droughts kind of broken. They, they look like they've got a lot of really good quality um, growth happening at the moment. Uh, are you seeing something similar?
1: Yeah, I, I guess there's a couple of comments I'd like to make about that, and and um, firstly, when we saw some of the uh, shocking pictures of drought and bushfire um, with the rifle guys, you know, like it's. You know, it's, it's really moving. You can really understand the impact that has on a uh, fellow farmer. Um, the the threat of um, climate change is real for us. Um, you know, whether it's more frequent um, weather extremes um, like hailstorms. We had a hailstorm in 2016. Uh, you know, persistent, you know, hottest year on record kind of commentary. Um, the inversion of rain patterns, you um, you know, to uh, drier spells and now wetter periods, and the whole um, you know the whole uh, the whole climate piece is a bit of a moving feast, and it is a threat to us. And um, we will um, you know we continue to select varieties in our own microclimate, so we have a level of uh, risk mitigation there. We um, we we are across three um, geographies, you know, three growing regions. There's a little bit of protection from. You know, uh, microclimatic weather conditions like a hailstorm that hit one end of the farm and did not hit the other end of the farm. Um, so, we try and grow hops on multiple sites for that reason. Um, yeah, so there's a there's a bunch of stuff uh, in the climate piece that's um, that's uh, really important to us. We don't buy any land that hasn't got adequate water rights or um, or supply in that sense. It's just it's, it's just not possible as as Rayfield's experience shows us. Um, yeah, you got to sort that out. They're thirsty. They're thirsty plants.
2: Dan's mentioned that he donated to help a hop. What do we want to understand about help a hop?
0: That's the field. Um, I think it's over now, but that was kind of. I think you could buy a certain amount of hops. I, I think I donated. Yeah, just chatting to them.
1: It's um, like a. It was like a pre-commitment, or um, yeah, you know, to, to help them get back on their feet. Not you know, I, I haven't. I haven't. I've got to be honest. I haven't kept up um, with their recovery, but uh, you know, all the best to them. Um,
0: it's, um, it's looking really good. I, as I said, I, I was looking through their social media today and um, they were in the story that I wrote sort of at the start of the year. Um, I think I chatted to you as well, Owen, about that story. And, um, yeah, they were, you know, in a pretty rough spot. So mm. it's cool to see them with, with good growth again. Yeah. Um, you got a couple more comments from the chat there, Dave? Uh,
2: what do we got here? Uh, Dan really liked the Two Birds name for their Eclipse beer. He thought that, that one. Very
1: two uh, birds is the pun that, um, that uh, that inspired a whole uh, playlist on Spotify. That uh, that name of that beer, so
0: is uh, was it Total Eclipse of the Hop? Was mm-hmm. the
1: yep,
2: uh, all right, let's go with uh, a throwback question from Sam Smalley about half an hour ago. Uh, Owen, what's your favorite new school international hop and classic noble hop?
1: Well, uh, Great question. I guess if I could answer the second bit first, I I think my favourite noble um, is Spalt Spalter. Um, And now I I am extremely partial to SARS, you know, authentic Czech SARS used in fantastic beers over in Europe, you know, it's as close as I come to having a uh, a religious moment. I think um, when I'm over there drinking their beers um, in place, you know, in in the place. Um, uh, but but Spalt um, took me on on a long journey with the Muebry pills, and um, you know, I am deeply emotionally wedded to that beer, that uh, that beer, and that hop.
0: Um, and international, how much can you say, given? A lot of these are your competitors. <laughs> marketplace.
1: No, look. Um, uh, I, I th- again, like I think you'd be you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't say you liked, uh, liked international hops. I mean, like, and and maybe not a new hop, but um, I reckon I still think that when Centennial is up and about, and you get a beautiful um, expression of of that whatever that crop year is, if it's come in really well. That is, that is a fascinating hop. Um, you know, there are famous examples. I mean, Bell's Two-Hearted Ale is um, 100% Centennial. Like, I remember back in the day when... How do you do that?
2: <laughs> uh, BrewDog launched a single hop IPA series that featured Galaxy. Um Ripper. The Centennial was a standout of that one. Mm. So that was a killer.
1: Yep, yep. It's um so uh, you know there's there's quite a lot of hops coming out now. Um and so, you know, we, we were quite concerned about Eclipse getting enough cut through with with all sorts of varieties coming out from the breeding programs around the world. Um I still haven't seen a lot of talus. Um I've seen more of Sabro. Sabro's got a bit of a hole in it for me because I don't really get the coconut thing very often. And I'm
0: shaking my head at Sabro. Yeah. I've had a couple of beers that I enjoyed that have it as an element. Yep. And um, Daniel in the comments mentioned the Bridge Road one with Galaxy also had Sabro, which kind of yep. yep. dominated it. Um, and that beer, gorgeously, so well put together. And I think Mr. Banks did a Sabro one. Again, so well put together, but yep. just that little bit of coconut you know no, i love coconut but it just doesn't quite do it for me
1: yeah right you know and I, I mean most of the time i actually just don't even see it um funnily enough and i'll probably get uh, pie thrown at me but um it was in the hop thief 10 from squires and um with galaxy in combo and i and i could actually get the coconut in that it was just a. it was you know i, I could pretty much say it was mostly galaxy poking its head up in the profile except for that coconut note which which i could get and So, you know, I better cut that hop some slack. It definitely does what it says on the label. I just haven't been overly convinced. Um,
0: I don't know if I want that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say it if you don't want to say it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So if you want coconut in your beer, this is the hop for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thinking about, you know, talking about, you said mentioned Two Hearted and Centennial and, Mm. um, you know, I've seen a a little bit of a slight resurgence in hops like Simcoe and Amarillo. People are kind of peppering them back in again. Yep. Um, and there does seem to be a bit of a resurgence in West Coast IPAs. Um, just seen a couple of you know random releases go people dropping them in, and and you're thinking, oh, quite enjoying that. We've spoken about on that sh- on the show lately, Dave, a lot. Well, we always speak about West Coast IPAs, but um, but I, I, do you think um, Eclipse has kind of a, a home in that space?
1: Oh, look, I, I certainly do, and and further convinced by. Um by the Hop Nation IPA, um, you know, pioneer, uh, you know, convinced us enough to um, sink, sink, uh, you know, plants into the soil, so to speak. But um, you know, I, I guess what I'd really like to see now, maybe the next step for me would be would be to see Eclipse in a bunch of different blends and iterations of, of IPA. Now, I mean, you know, uh, Dave, like you said, like if I had to put twelve IPAs on the market. Um, you wouldn't have bought them, you know. The thing is, um, now that it's out and about in the wild, hopefully organically, we see it in a Simcoe and Amarillo mix. You know, yeah. hopefully we yeah. see it see it paired up with the three Cs. You That's know. exactly how it would That'd be really excellent shine and make it yeah. really
2: like outstanding hot profile. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and so you know, you take a tried and true, you know, Chinook Centennial Cascade, and and let Eclipse take the lead with the Mandarin on top. Like, bloody brilliant. You know, I, I can see it, I can literally taste that beer. Is just
2: that little like um, sweet citrus element that doesn't come from the malt? Like that's mm. like no one wants any malt in their West Coast IPA. But um, that little bump of sweetness though, it's like mm. a little tolerance. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. And so I mean contributing meaningfully to balance, just like that. Yeah, a little a little hop mouthfeel, a little hop sweetness and away you go in that in that in that sense of balancing out the whole beer. So um I would say that you're probably right about the resurgence of some of the, um, you know, amarillo. Um, I wouldn't say the three C's are dead in Australia. They're like they are, they are getting hammered in the US. Their acreage in the ground is just plummeting. Um, but here in Australia, I think I think there's still a significant portion of um, cascade centennial, maybe chinook as a as a very much a third cousin to that sort of thing. But. Um. um Definitely, I think Amarillo and, and Simcoe, for instance, were on the nose a bit here recently and, and I think it's all about that, that constant urge to you know, chart yourself a unique space next to your neighbour. Um, but I think we're starting to understand that you, you just need to um, know what your flavour drivers are and just choose. Make good choices and you'll get a good beer and that'll, that is what's going to set you apart from your neighbour, hopefully. Um, so if you really understand well what Amarillo is going to bring and what Simcoe is going to bring, you know, like in that dark from Moo, if you, if you want to highlight that pine um, and resin note, you know, put some Simcoe hot side and just let it, just let that pininess bring that dark malt palate together and, you know, sprinkle, liberally sprinkle your mandarin on top. But there's a role for that, there's a role for that hop in, uh, in that beer. Absolutely
0: uh before we wrap up anything uh else you wanted to add or plug i mean this has been one big plug for hpa i feel Shameless. like next time i feel like next time we get you on we need to uh, actually get us some tough questions
1: as much uh as much as it's been an advertorial um it's actually like i feel like it's it's got some authenticity to it because it, there are some fascinating views in that pack and i didn't make them um i didn't know what they were going to turn out like you know that is just uh, that's a fantastic result
2: I think appealing to guys like us is like 85% of the journey, really, because we don't—we're not impressed by anything anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Cynical and jaded, Go ahead.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, I hard and parcel, I think. Yeah,
0: I think this might be the first Sunday Road beer I've had as well—the the lager and uh, right. yeah, I'll check them out again.
1: It's—it's it's, um, been quite a common theme, actually, that that people have been quite grateful for the mixed carton turning up in their breweries because uh, you know. I never would have got to see Mr. Banks. I never would have got to drink a Sunday road here in Tassie, like, um, you know, pop a, pop a carton out of the Moobrew Brewery and the boys have not have not seen some of these breweries. And so, you know, it's pretty cool too to connect, um, you know, connect industry with industry. It's great.
0: Um, so if people want to find more information, you said it's available to homebrewers. So uh, you said you partnered with the homebrew supplier was that? Yep,
1: yep. So we've tried to reach out to the bricks and mortar shops um, through, um, oh, jeez. Put geez. you, put you on the spot here. Now. Yeah, it's getting late. I've been <laughs> drinking soda water too to avoid exactly that situation. <laughs> maybe it's not the beer. Maybe it's me. <laughs> um, so um, basically what I reckon you could do is walk into a homebrew shop and ask for it by name. Ask for it by name and they'll... um you know they'll they'll either have it or they'll sort you out um we've got like 50 homebrew customers direct shops ourselves plus utilizing the the, the supply channel to um cover off the other i don't know what there are another 200 or something in australia um and um uh you know there should there should be you know you should be able to get your hands on it for the commercial guys out there like we've got stock um We've got enough stock up our sleeve to see us out to next year, available now. We've got open positions out of the forward contracts um, from 2021. So we're in a really awesome spot to back up the excitement around this. And if people have that light bulb moment when they're drinking a beer, like uh, like I had my best moments, uh, you know, you can back those ideas up with supply. So.
0: Excellent. Um, her website is hpa.com, is that
1: right? Uh, hops, hops.com.au. hops.com. I yeah, knew even, there was a trick in there. Even more simple than hpa.com.au, hops, hops.com. <laughs> uh, and, and now I do, I do I'll i be proven wrong, but I do believe that beer cartel has still got mixed packs um, up on the shop. So if um, this has got you salivating and you need to stock the fridge, get on and do it.
0: Um, and I should say, in terms of full disclosure, you sent us uh, two packs that we were drinking uh, today. That was, that was
1: for that one bloke reading that article from two years ago. So we're, <laughs> we're square. We are square.
0: All right, just to feel, infer- you know, so no one thinks anything underhanded's happening. Uh, that's what's exchanged hands. But uh, all opinions are always genuine, as people <laughs> know. Dave and I. Uh, Sometimes. Uh...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dang,
0: you're really undermining the plug here <laughs> No like we, we did talk
2: about this as soon as we saw the social media posts You had to like yeah I was I was ready to buy it I was ready to mm. buy it uh, yeah. And I might buy another one So if you haven't had it I'll give you a chance as, as
0: soon as you said there's more packs available Oh and Dave was like I could see it on his
2: face was like tapping like, my mouse
1: yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> Got distracted <laughs> no good um, on you guys thanks very much for uh having me on thanks for your support and um uh you know like it's nice for me to just play a little role in in the in the beer community and and i thank you guys for the role uh, that you guys play as well and you know like luke we were talking about the mammoth effort with the iba and whatnot you know good on you and um it, it doesn't go unnoticed and it's really appreciated because you know hopefully things like this can keep our little our little uh, niche community together enjoying great beers and celebrating the you know, the most romantic ingredient in hop, in beer, which is...
0: Uh, Dave, where do people find you on the internet?
1: At
2: Mel Dave
0: on Twitter. Send me an email, davidallivertime.com How uh, you? And you can get me at luke at for all the podcasts and everything. Uh, beer together to watch along on these streams every Monday. Uh, we've got a... I've already locked in the next guest, which will be someone from Upflow to talk about the uh, the sports beer that we kind of we're very confused about a couple of weeks ago, Dave, they got in touch. Uh, so we'll be chatting to them all about what a sports beer actually is. Um, and I'm off to record a hypothetical Institute podcast. So uh, look up that in your podcast apps. If you want some give, me the, teaser, give
2: me the teaser, come
0: on. Uh, we'll be talking about the election, but we're also going to be talking about um, sky, no star slime. Slime just falls from the stars. Who knows where it comes from? Is it aliens? It's not. Does it, does it taste toilet. like... I'd like
2: to know about how entering? Trump got robbed. But I guess Star Slime we'll, is the new star.
0: We'll, right? we'll talk all about how Trump got okay. robbed as well. Um, for all your conspiracy needs, uh, thanks to everyone that joined us in the chat as well. I uh, really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll chat soon.